This episode of the Disney Film Project podcast is brought to you by touringplans.com. It is the one-stop shop on the internet for figuring out how you are going to plan your Disney vacation, Disneyland or Disney World, it doesn't matter. Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, you want to figure out how to get there and not wait in line? This is how you do it, touringplans.com. Disneyland, you're trying to figure out how to get out there and how to navigate all the cool new stuff like Cars Land and Buena Vista Street and all that great stuff without having to wait in line? Touringplans.com. You can optimize your touring plans, check the crowd calendar, do all kinds of great stuff. Make sure you check that out over at touringplans.com. They're the sponsor of this week's episode of the Disney Film Project Podcast. Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project Podcast. This is the show where we talk about the films of the Walt Disney Company. Surprising that, I know, but Marvel, Pixar, Lucasfilm, Disney Toon Studios, everything and anything coming out from Disney, we try to touch upon it here on this program and over at DisneyFilmProject.com. I'm Ryan Kilpatrick, host of the program, and along with the folks you are about to meet, we run DisneyFilmProject.com, where you can find out all about the films of the Walt Disney Company. We talk about Blu-rays and DVDs coming out. We talk about films in theaters. We talk about all the stuff going back to the 1920s, so make sure you go and check out the content over at DisneyFilmProject.com. Joining me, as always, we have our fine film experts, a man who has often been confused with a talking ape, Mr. Todd Perlmutter. See, the way you can tell the difference is the ape speaks in English. That's how you know. Truth. <laughs> and, of course, from all sites along the interwebs, we have the one and only Miss Rachel Cole. How are you, Rachel? I'm doing good. I'm a little bit concerned because I have a feeling we're going to have disagreements about this movie. Interesting. Interesting. We'll see. And, of course, our fine producer who puts things together and uh, sets the movies, although she took listeners' suggestions on this one, so I'm letting her off easy, is Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who you can find on Twitter, at CherylP3. How are you, Cheryl? I'm doing good. And, yep, this was next one you can blame on me. This one, this one you can blame on the listeners. <laughs> I'll take the next one, because the next one it was, I think we might as well get rid of both of both both these guys in one fell swoop. Yep, especially it's... while they're available. <laughs> yes. All right, so we are talking about George of the Jungle, the 1997 release, some big summer blockbuster release. Can you imagine this movie being released in the summer these days? Can, can you imagine them that they released it on the same weekend as Men in Black? Yep. That, <laughs> that's a bad idea. <laughs> Although it did take number two to Men in Black, so it's not like yeah. terrible in that respect, but still. Yeah, well, that's it like, did what was it? Well. Country Bears was released on the same weekend as like the Austin Powers sequel. <laughs> it got crushed. Disney. We've talked about this before. Disney's just not how to schedule their films. <laughs> They're getting better though lately. Uh, is Disney getting better or Marvel and Ma- Lucasfilm Marvel doing good? It. Yeah, yes. <laughs> they're doing fine. But they're well, same company. Uh, yeah, kind of. I think they're running independent, but we... Pixar we, we movies are usually scheduled well, you know. Yeah, again, all the people who are independent scheduling movies are doing fine. Uh, but yes, George of the Jungle, based on the Jay Ward cartoons, uh, which I think we would all agree are, are quite lovely and, and, and well-crafted and funny. Yeah. The cartoons, not the movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and... <laughs> This has a cast that I would say are, I think we were talking about this on Twitter the other day, Rachel. These are good actors, correct? Brendan Fraser, oh, yeah. Leslie Mann, you know. Thomas Hayden Church. He's John great. Cleese. I was going to say Holland Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Richard, even Richard Roundtree is a good actor. Yes. And he's actually one of, he's actually funny. I find him to be the, probably the most funny character in the entire movie. Very true. So the, to, to understand the movie, you have to understand the movie was based on um, the, the Jay Ward cartoons, which if you're not familiar with Jay Ward from Rocky and Bullwinkle, uh, you may have seen George of the Jungle, but it's like, what's the best way to describe this humor, Todd? It's like self-referential. Like, it, it doesn't take itself seriously there, at all. There is no fourth wall. Um, right. There, it, it is social commentary wrapped up in bad humor. 
That's, Correct. That's what Bullwinkle is. In case you missed it all, that's what Bullwinkle is all about. And this cartoon as well. George also, um, the one with the dog. Uh, Peabody and uh, Peabody Sherman. and Sherman. Yeah. Yes. Also, social commentary, as well as uh, the walrus and the penguin, Tennessee tuxedo, and I can't remember the walrus's name. Chumley. Yeah. Chumley, thank you. Also, a social. Not commentary. a Pawn Stars scene, though. This is a walrus scene. That's right. Not Pawn Stars. <laughs> yeah, and so, like, but like you said, it's smart commentary, right? The the cartoon. Um, but. Yes. What the the movie attempts to do is to take that non-fourth wall, self-referential, don't take ourselves too seriously idea that works very well in a, you know, five or six minute snippet and turn it into a 90 minute feature length motion picture with live action actors carrying on as though they were cartoons. And leaving out all the social commentary. And the plot. And the plot. So what you get is a movie that is intentionally – now, I want to make sure that to know that before we start saying bad things about the movie, which I'm going to do. I don't know about the rest of you guys. Uh, <laughs> that I understand, and I assume you guys do too, that the movie is in- intended to be silly and, and bad – not bad, but you know what I mean? Like it's not intended to be a serious – comedy like this it's intended not, to be a yes, this is not a, cin- a cinematic masterpiece wait i want to argue that it is in fact terrible for the sake of be- for meaning to be terrible like okay like, i i think that all of the terribleness is actually 100 percent intentional with the intent of being funny though yes but uh, but what they thought is they could get away with like i said leaving out all the social commentary that's in George of the Jungle, and of course, lengthening it all, lengthening out the rest of it into a movie, which was not, both are not good ideas. Uh, it, oh, very true. I would agree with that. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing. Did you, did you read the slight background? Did you find that little piece on the background of the movie? I did not. So there's a, there's a screenwriter named Dana Olson, who's the screenwriter for this movie, and he has not really done much since this movie, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, he was trying to shop a script under a code name, okay, of uh-huh. Gorilla Boy to other studios. The reason why he was shopping it to other studios is because he wanted to do a George of the Jungle movie. It was intentional, but Disney owned the rights already to George of the Jungle as a movie and had for like more than 15 years at that point in time. Okay. So- so they bought it around the time of uh, Eisner and those guys coming in. Right. So what happened is is they have – Disney has the rights to the movie and no script, and this guy has a script and no rights. And so basically once Disney found out he was shopping it and nobody else was buying it anyway, they said, hey, guess what? We'll take it. I did want to point out that um, this guy, Dana Olson, wrote one of our other favorite – not um, – Cartoon chose cartoon to um movie movie um movies is Inspector Gadget. Yes, he did. Oh, <laughs> mm. ouch. See, I'm I'm much I'm a much bigger fan of this than a, Inspector Gadgets. I I would honestly put them on the same level. I think, although I don't remember what I rated Inspector Gadget, but I have a feeling the ratings will end up being close to the same. I don't think you like oh. it much. No, I know that. I just didn't know how low how low could I go, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say that the the product placement in Inspector Gadget is so much like I think for me makes it so much worse. Like it, it really <laughs> yeah. honestly bothers me. This movie does not have as much. Like there's a few moments, like the Nike shoes and like the UPS, but for the most part, it stays away from a lot of product product placement. But again, this was the '90s, so this is where we were just delving into the matter. I think we also had blank check, right? Was in also in this 1999 era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, this was the era where we're playing with product placement. I mean. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think your the point that that you guys are make there that Todd made about the fact that the movie is intended to be like the plot's intended to be silly. It's intended to be you know, quote unquote, terrible. That's not the word I would use, but I get what you're saying. 
like it's not meant to make sense and those sorts of things. My problem is that actually makes it worse for me because they intended to make the movie silly and quote unquote bad in order to make it funny. And for me, like it's not funny. Yeah. I I don't find much humor here. The best joke in the whole movie is not until three minutes before the movie ends. The Jane Goodall line for, yeah, (laughs) I was like, wait, wait, I don't remember a funny part. I said line. I said the best line in the whole movie. (laughs) I can see where you're coming from, Ryan, like as far as how stupid this movie is. But for me, it's the fact that the actors, like, I feel like they they hit the right note with it. And they're so weirdly sincere about it that it's kind of endearing for me. Like, the way that Eric put it, it's it's like a really eager puppy that even when he pees a little on the carpet, you're just kind of like, oh, well, you're still really cute. Uh, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. That makes sense to me. I, I like, I think they are, I think they're trying really hard to hit an aesthetic, and it just depends on the eye of the beholder as to whether or not they they, they did so or not, right? Like, they're trying really hard to t- to hit that George of the Jungle aesthetic yeah. of the of the cartoon, and, like, for me, they fell far short. But, like, I can see where you're coming from. You're like, hey, they're really trying. And it's like, it, it, some of it really works for me. Like, I can, I, that makes sense to me. My yeah. biggest issue beyond that is that I just got bored watching the movie because, and I understand that they're trying to take a six-minute cartoon and turn it into a 90-minute movie. But the plot or the what the what should propel me forward is either the fact that I want to spend time with these characters, which I didn't, <laughs> or I'm interested in what's going to happen, which I wasn't. <laughs> right? Like, those well, are the, the two sub- things that keep you in a movie. Yeah, the subplot with the two uh, henchmen basically goes nowhere. It, well, the, it goes somewhere at the end. In the middle. Well, no, it literally goes nowhere, because remember, they keep going yeah. in circles. Yep. Yeah, and, it literally goes nowhere. <laughs> well, like even even the plot with um, Thomas Hayden Church's character, like I felt like that was just a waste. Like if he had not been in the movie, right? If it if it hadn't been his fiance, her fiance, and she had just gotten lost in the jungle and met George, what would have changed? Nothing. Here's so here's the important thing, right? Is if you remember the animated series, right? is George's main foils, you know, or rather he's the foil for them, I guess, is there's two hunters that are constantly after him, right? I forget their names, but that's yeah. what's going on. And I think that the combination of the hunting team, including Lyle, is supposed to be those hunters. Because if you remember one of the hunters yeah. from the anime series has a very snobbish voice, mm-hmm. right? So I, I think that's what the what the um, screenwriter was going for it, and the director was going for it, just I don't think it played well either. Yeah, I think that's the thing, is like there's no, there's no stakes really in the movie. Like there's no consistent plot. It's like we have like, you know, we have the whole thing about him and Ursula together, which I will say when the two of them are together, I feel like that's pretty good. She and Brendan Fraser playing off each other at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Like I, that, that, that part I actually enjoyed. But then, you know, they get split up and, you know, they go when they get the part, all the stuff that happens in America, I I was just going like, I don't care what's happening right now. Right. The stuff with the parents was pointless as well, but it's part of the Lyle plot. So I guess we've already covered that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's it's not even there. (laughs) Brendan Fraser clearly worked out a lot for this movie. So they wanted to have a scene with him running with horses. (laughs) Yes. Of course. And a naked scene. Yeah. Yep. I, I mean, I think most of the point of the movie was some executive said, we think we can get women 25 or 18 to 49 if we have Brendan Fraser in a loincloth. <laughs> that, that may be true. <laughs> Which, I mean, if you look at the box office, they're not wrong. Here's the odd thing. He was kind of like a fairly normal actor up until this point, And then afterwards was when he started doing all the mummy movies and everything like that. Right. So his his big comedy action stuff took off after all of this. Like that that getting buff for this movie probably launched the entire rest of his career. 
and he's a good actor. Like I, I realize the mummy movies yeah. and, and whatnot, but like in it, when he does smaller roles, like he's a pretty good actor. Even in the Mummy movies, yeah. he's a good actor. And I'm not like saying the Mummy's movies have great quality plots or anything. They're not. They're just you know what they are, right? And all three of them are better than this movie. <laughs> yes, Agreed. Even, Scorp- even Scorpion King, and he's not even in Scorpion King, right? No, but he made a third nope. one. Yeah, he did. And like Journey to the Center of the Earth that he's in, a terrible movie, but good because he's in it, right? That's not true in this case. Correct. Because, and I think it's because he's limited by the character that he plays, right? Like he has to play this jungle man character and the way that that character is expected to be. It's exactly uh, like Encino Man. Yeah, exactly, right? Like it limits what he can do. There, you know, there's only there's only a few places where I feel like he can actually come through and 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 act and and deliver something that we're not expecting. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, so let's talk about the movie. So the the setup is is very simple, right? There's an animated introduction uh, that kind of gives us the backstory of George, which is that his plane crashed somewhere in the heart of Africa. Um, the little boy George, as an infant, uh, is swinging through the vines and crashing into trees, which is always the famous line from the cartoon. You know, George swings into a tree, and they tell him to watch out for that tree. Yep. Uh, and we get introduced to all of that, but the opening of the actual like live action film is Ursula, played by Leslie Mann, who is on safari with her guide, Mr. Kwame, who's Richard Roundtree, best known as Shaft, <laughs> and and some of the natives, and she is on safari looking for, uh, you know, native animals and things like that. We're not really like I don't know. Did you guys get like the whole point of why she was there? I I figured it well, was just to get away from Lyle. Yeah, that was that was kind of the era where I hate to say this, but it, it was that era when like a lot of really rich people, the thing was to go to Africa and go yeah. on a safari, and, and it's still a thing today. But I think it was especially a thing around yeah. that time. She so also I found a site that when that later scene where she's telling her parents everything that happened in like under twenty seconds, right? Since she's talking really fast, she actually explains it when it when you slow down that part of the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> and she says she just before she got married, she wanted to go on an, on a on a, a last solo adventure, and that was the whole reason for being in Africa. Right, which doesn't so. work out very well because what within a minute and a half of of her introduction to the movie, uh, Lyle shows up, her fiance. Yes. Also in her little in her little thing, she says yes. Lyle sh- Lyle showed up, ruined the whole thing, and he was a complete jerk after that. Like she says that all in that little buzz right. scene. When she's summarizing the plot of the yeah. movie, for that I, which by the way I hate that in movies because it's like, wait, I I was here. It's not my <laughs> fault the other characters were not there. Yes. But yes, Lyle, played by Thomas Hayden Church, shows up with his two henchmen. I don't know character actors. Is if I don't know if you'd call them that, but you know, these two yeah, guys, it's um, probably recognize if you see them. Yeah, yeah, Abraham Ben Ruby, I think is his name. He was yeah. on like the final seasons of ER. Actually, he was um in he was slated for Star Tours Detours, which was canceled. Yep. He's, he um was actually he was going to do Darth Vader in Star Tours Detours. <laughs> um, by the he's way, he actually was a voice in Big Hero Six. Yes, he's so he was the general. Remember uh, the video with the that they play back and they find out what happened to the man in the Kabuki masks daughter right the general that's in that video that's he's doing that voice he also does darth vader on robot chicken which is why he was going to do it in detours and he also does optimus prime and a whole bunch of other voices if you're a big robot chicken fan uh which i am and so when lyle shows up with these guys you know he of course is a jerk and takes things over because you know they're using the whole shorthand of that the the heroine is engaged to this other guy who is no good which i never understood that trope because i'm like if the guy acted the way he's acting when he's their fiance why did they ever get engaged in the first place but you know it's a common well, trope. as we see later the parents set it up yeah i was speaking more in general like i never understand it in any movie any oh. romantic comedy or any of them like the guy always is a jerk why would you agree to marry him well and i guess you know you you want to make your parents happy <laughs> i don't ever want to make my parents so happy that i would marry thomas aiden church <laughs> <laughs> and you can awesome. quote me on that 
Yeah, he's pretty much the worst kind of person to go on a vacation with, I would imagine. Unless it's like something where you're staying at a resort or, you know, somewhere where you could just kind of leave him to do some activity and run off the other direction. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, and so he... they uh, they camp that night, and uh, Mr. Kwame, the Richard Roundtree character, tells them the legend of the white ape, this you know huge, super strong ape who rules the jungle. Now, here's an interesting thing about the white ape comment. Yes, because Thomas Hayden Church played Tal Hodges was the was the um, Martian in John Carter mm-hmm. with the broken tusk, and they're talking about white apes, and that's a John Carter thing, which is also a better movie. Also a better movie, and still not a good movie. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. (laughs) And we should mention, technically, Thomas Hayden Church could qualify as an Avengers connection because, you know, technically he was Sandman and Spider-Man, and Spider-Man, in comic books at least, is an Avenger. And will be again very soon. Yes. As we're recording, they're talking about a possible casting for that role, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. And so, yeah, the next day they go they go out into the jungle and Lyle nearly kills one of the porters, which actually that was a funny joke, too, I will say, because like <laughs> yes. he nearly kills. He knocks the guy off a cliff and they say basically to the they don't say because it's a Disney movie, no one's going to die. But that's basically what they're saying. Uh, and it, the narrator says that and the guy comes back and, you know, he's all bandaged up and everything. Uh, and then, you know, like very almost right away, they get attacked by a lion. She and Urs- he and Ursula do. And well, so like, okay. Go ahead. Real quick, um, after after he sends the guy like he goes falling off the bridge and everything, um, he tries to make it up with the guides by <laughs> showing them magic fire and a magic picture. <laughs> Which this this scene really did crack me up because there are people that honestly think that because you live in certain countries of Africa that you don't know what a camera is or you don't know what modern technology is or you've never seen fire (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it should be noted the whole narrator thing is actually one of the better done parts of the movie relative to the to the actual um rest you know the cartoon and the rest of the movie here because it's a very it's a very common thing in the movie where they have they constantly have these the narrator does those things where he just carries the plot along because it's again to Ryan's point is the cartoons are like typically four minutes or less in length. And so a lot goes on in a very short period of time as the narrator just fixes that. But the whole argument thing is because the hunters are, one of the hunters is always arguing with the narrator and the other guy tells him to stop arguing with the narrator. So they actually use that one joke in the movie. Which is good, but I actually think there should have been more narrator in this movie. The narrator was awesome. Yeah. yeah, this this movie would be completely unwatchable without the narrator. And that's like I'm I'm a bit more positive on the movie than you guys, but it would be. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, completely I agree. I completely agree. And so the next thing like I said that happens is that they uh, Ursula and uh, and Thomas Hayden Church get cornered by a lion. And so Lyle, the Thomas Hayden Church character, runs away, basically leaves Ursula there, and it's George of the Jungle who saves her, played by Brendan Fraser, again running around in a loincloth for most of the movie. And he saves her and starts taking her and takes her to his treehouse, basically. And they start talking and uh, I don't know, he, he sort of can't communicate with her and then he can communicate with her and you know, he kind of works it all out. It's so like. Well, she spends half the time being um, in a fainting episode because of that's true. The talking ape, John Cleese. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm gonna be quite honest. Like when it when she first shows up, I'm like, wow, this is. I mean, it's just it's a Tarzan movie, right? Like if yeah. you've seen any of the old Tarzan movies, if you've seen any of the, I mean, all the ripoffs of Tarzan, which is obviously what George of the Jungle is. Uh, it's it's the same plot you've seen a hundred times, yep. right? It's the the woman goes with the jungle man and they fall in love, and so I was not expecting much from it. But I don't know if you call it a montage so much as just like little snippets of scenes of the two of them, intercut with Lyle trying to find her, um, and not 
doing very well because he's pretty inept. <laughs> well, also, I don't think the guides want to help him any. See, that was confusing to me, too, because, like, they, he's mistreating them and they don't want to help him, but I assumed they liked her. I assumed they, they, they just really knew about George and they knew she would be okay. Yeah, maybe. It wasn't really clear. Narrator could have helped with that. There was a lot that wasn't really clear. It, it, true. But, like, I, the, the whole point is, like, the next, what, 20 to 25 minutes is George and Ursula together in the jungle. And it's, these little, it's like little scenes of them cut in with Lyle looking for them. And it's George doing a, a, a bunch of different things. Like, he, you know, he feeds her. He put, gives her clothes. The, the, you know, like we said, John Cleese, the talking ape helps figure out what's wrong with her, what her injuries are. But then, of course, she faints, like Cheryl said, so he, he has to stop talking in front of her. <laughs> yep. Which, that I actually liked. I thought that was funny. Even yeah, though that I... that was a good gag. I did like John Cleese, because I like John Cleese's voice. <laughs> and then Shep. Yeah, and then there's Shep, Shep the elephant, uh, who is basically his dog. An um, entire CGI budget. Yep. There is a... <laughs> not good CGI at that. Uh, there's a toucan called Tuki, a little monkey that is called Little Monkey. Yeah. Yeah, that not was, too that creative was not, on the name for that one. That was not a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's, like I say, it's not a montage of them falling in love. Like, it's actual scenes with dialogue. But it's, it, none of the scenes are, are, like, moving the plot along. You know what I mean? Like, it's just them doing various things like him teaching her to swing on vines or showing her a waterfall. And, you know, there's points that there's a point at which he goes to, to John Cleese, the ape character and says, you know, I want to show her that I like her. Um, and he tells him, you know, okay, here's how you do it. You puff out your cheeks, stick out your gums and, you know, throw leaves in the air and pound your chest. And like, obviously showing him the gorilla way, which I thought that could have been funny. And it was like, from the minute he does it, you know it's not going to be funny. Yeah, because it looked like Brendan Fraser was trying too hard to make it funny when he did it. Yeah. Yeah. And she, like, registers no reaction whatsoever. Like, I get what she was going for. She was going for deadpan, and he was going over the top. And it just didn't work together. (laughs) Yeah. So... Yeah, there's this whole bit of, of the two of them. I mean, I don't know. Is there anything else to say about that? Like, it's just, the, you know, little snippets of them falling in love until Lyle shows up to try and get her to leave. Yeah, they they do keep mentioning that the uh, waterfall is a an elaborate set, which, again, I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. It, it was the backside of water. <laughs> it looked exactly like, you know, when you go on, it, on uh, it did. John Cruise, it looks exactly like that. And so when when Lyle actually shows up and sees that Ursula is in George's treehouse, um, he actually shoots his gun and George gets shot in the arm while he's trying to prevent the, the two henchmen, one of which is named Thor, which kept confusing me because it wasn't that long after I'd seen Age of Ultron. <laughs> <laughs> and I think if this was Chris Hemsworth, that would have been way cooler. But anyway, uh, the two henchmen are trying to shoot the ape, the talking ape, because he talks right as they walk up. Uh, and so George kind of dives in front of them and Lyle shoots and clips him in the arm. Uh, Lyle gets arrested for the shooting by these authorities that we have never t- heretofore not seen in the movie. Well, it's not just that. It's that the, the, Rich, the Kwame, Richard Roundtree's character, and the other two, two or three guys, they turn them, him in. They, they, they say yeah. he's guilty yeah. and get him kept in prison. To people that... Apparently, we're very close by in the middle of the jungle. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> and they have, they have the, uh, the lineup of all the uh, potential <laughs> Which, suspects. That was funny. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's all these giant African-American gentlemen, and there's Thomas Hayden Church. <laughs> yes. Uh, but Ursula flies George home to her home of San Francisco to get him medical care. Now, I would like to say that I think this is probably a mistake on her part, because if he's been shot in the arm... To fly him from Africa to San Francisco would likely kill him if he's waiting that long to be treated. <laughs> he had a bandage on on the plane. Oh, well, then it's all fine. 
Yeah. <laughs> really, no, they never. He gets there. And they never. That's not a big deal, but but they don't do anything with it when he gets there, right? Right. He's just automatically fine. <laughs> so. Which again, like that's the that's the thing. Like that that part that stuff doesn't bother me if the, if if everything in between was funny, but like. There's this. They make a big deal of the fact that she's got to fly him to San Francisco, and it's not funny. And then he gets there and he's fine. You know what I mean? Like if if it was over the top funny, that wouldn't matter. Yeah. The next really funny thing we get is um the 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 sky jumper thing, right? The... Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's the next thing that that, that happens is you know they're they're at home and Ursula's joke. Like, yeah, we get a Brendan Fraser comes out of the shower naked, and uh, we don't we don't see that. Thank goodness, because it's a Disney movie. But you know, there's there's some sort of a joke of Ursula's friend seeing him naked, and but then George is watching, and there's a paraglider that gets stuck in the bay in the the Bay Bridge, and he has to go and walk up the the bridge and swing from one part of the bridge to the another to save this guy, and Ursula sees it on the news, and yeah, it's. It's yeah. adventurous, but there's also some good humor in it. I agree, Cheryl. Well, also in this sequence, you get him watching TV, and he's still trying to figure out how do I make her fall in love with me. And he sees a coffee commercial. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> which, which that's funny. Yeah, I like that. I like that logic because it's like, of course, you know, he would see something like this, and he's not used to advertising, and. St- and he doesn't know any social norms, so he's like, okay, well, I just gotta get coffee. <laughs> and he eats the raw coffee. Also fun. <laughs> I agree. Uh, that, that's, uh, that's actually my wife. She, she bought this movie. Um, and I'm gonna put oh, it wait, right wait, in. Put it- wait, wait, hold. I, I, I read on Twitter that this was a gift. Yeah, but so, I don't so, know how so, much I believe that. Well, I'm defending her since she is not here herself (laughs) (laughs) so i will go with the i will go with her twitter and say that she got this as a gift and she probably was too kind to either put in a yankee swap or return or or find a way to return it so well regardless she kept it it. knowing that you would do this podcast eventually see what she told me was she kept it because of this the java 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 scene and because brenda fraser's in a loincloth the whole movie And we're out. Yeah, and I can't compete with that, and I don't know. I don't like it, and I'm getting rid of it while she's not here. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I think you need to burn it. <laughs> I think it's true, or or get an exorcism or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, so he rescues this guy, and it's a big deal, you know, to everybody. And then Ursula has to go explain to her parents why she was seen canoodling with him on the bridge, which she wasn't canoodling; she was just like hugging him and stuff, uh, and. That's the part that you were talking about, Todd, where he, she explains the entire plot in, like, 20 seconds. Yep. Which, again, that always annoys me because I'm like, we were here. We Like, hi, audience. We, we were here the whole time. We have her explain that to them off screen or something. But, but yeah, so they, they have to throw a big party. Apparently, we have to have a coming out party for George. No, no, it well, was no, the no, engagement party. Yeah, it was the engagement party that was supposed to be happening for her and Lyle. See, I didn't get that at all. Oh, you you missed that with the uh, the cake with the little figures and stuff. I will freely admit I was bored to tears by this point. <laughs> Were you also drunk? Not no. That would have helped. No, I mean honestly, like like once we once we got to the point where Lyle shot George, from that point forward, pretty much the rest of the movie, I was just Ryan checked bored. Out. Yeah, I mean, I was bored. And I wasn't, like, multitasking or anything. I was just... I, I must have started daydreaming because it was just... I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, because I try not to do... I try not to have, the, you know, the phone or the iPad or anything else while I'm doing this. I try to just, like... I might have the iPad to take notes or something, but I was just watching this going, I, I don't... 
why are we still having a movie right now? (laughs) (laughs) I will say this movie, like, I actually enjoyed this movie a lot more than some of the other ones we've watched of late. World's Greatest Athlete. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. We did Freaky Friday 1 and 2. We did Freaky Friday remake and the Freaky Friday original. Both, both, Both of those were good. Both of those were good. But I will say that I have seen a lot more boring movies for this podcast. That that is a perfectly fair statement. Well, and like, what's boring to other to one person is not not the same to others, right? Like, there, yeah. you know, for me, like, World's Greatest Athlete was at least interesting because it was so bad. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, it's it, you're like, wow, I didn't think they could get this bad. This one, I it like the production value was fine and the actors are fine, but I think they tried to accomplish something in my eyes again. Uh, they they went for something that they couldn't quite reach, and in doing so, like it, it's like they shot for the moon, and instead of falling in the stars, they just kind of crashed in the ocean for me. Like <laughs> that's a whole other thing. I'm, I uh, think I'm kind of in the middle between Rachel and Ryan on this. I mean, I you know it's it is cheesy, and it's really it is really cheesy, and you do lose yourself a lot in this sometimes, but. Um, but it's n- I I didn't think it was as bad as like we did Inspector Gadget. I I think I like that one too. But I mean, you have to realize it's in trying to impersonate um, you know, a old cartoon. <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I'm not I don't put this on on the actors or or, or any of that. Like again, like I've said a few times, the the actors are turning in decent performances here, and these are all good actors. I think it's just. Like you're saying, like they're trying to do something, they're trying to do a certain thing, like impersonate the cartoon or or copy that sense of humor. And like again, and this is just me personally, I I didn't feel like it was funny. And without that, then like if you're gonna have a farce, it's got to be really really funny, or else it's not gonna make sense. Like I would point to like a Mel Brooks film, right? Yeah. Mel Brooks films don't make any sense, but because they're over the top funny, it doesn't matter. And I think that's what they were trying to do, and like for me it didn't didn't quite work so ryan how would you compare the fish out of water uh story to like say world's greatest athlete as far as just like the plot mechanics yeah just just like how successful it is how likable the character is if you're just talking about the character like the like george the jungle is a way more likable character than whatever that dude's name was nanu Nanu, thank you. <laughs> um, he's definitely a more likable character. I think the other character, the other characters, and the plot in World's Greatest Athlete, silly and crazy as it was, actually entertained me a little bit more than this. Not I, not by a large margin, I will say I that. I do have to say <laughs> the, the the tiger person thing joke does does stand a lot, Rachel. And and the witch doctor, I did enjoy the witch doctor too. Yeah, I'm actually surprised they they didn't do the whole thing of that George has to bring one of his animal friends with him to the city. They did not do that gag. Don't worry, there's a sequel. (laughs) Oh no! Oh yes! (laughs) Yeah, that's that's coming soon, folks. All right, so next episode. Yeah, (laughs) George and 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 has to go to this this party, which apparently was an engagement party. I missed that whole thing. Uh, and, and Lyle is not there because Lyle's still in jail in Africa. And so George gets a, a talking to from Lyle's mother. Uh, no, from her mother. Right. Sorry, you're right. You're correct. I, I apologize. From, from Ursula's mother about how, you know, you can't, you, you're no good for her. You need to leave her alone. She's going to marry Lyle. Uh, you know, you, you got you to gotta give it up. Well, she also explained it very. I had to say this. This was the very easily explained in George's language because she uses like I think zebras and elephants or no le- leop- leopards and tigers. She uses. I thought that was. I, I thought that was very cute the way they did that, so he would understand it. Yeah, I agree. And and so from there, of course, you know George is you know upset and everything. But we have to flash back to Africa, where the henchmen are still trying to capture John Cleese, the ape. So apparently, they've been this whole like week that they've been gone to San Francisco. These guys have still been in Africa trying to capture an ape that used to be on Monty Python. Uh, and the ape, before they can do that, you know, sends 
the toucan to, for help. Now, again, the toucan flies all the way from Africa to San Francisco. In by a map. Map. Yeah, yeah, by map. By map. <laughs> Which was cool. I will say that. I did not did like that. Uh, and tells George what's going on. And then George goes back to Africa because he obviously has nothing to live for back in San Francisco because Ursula doesn't want him. So he goes back to Africa, finds the poachers there, and starts fighting them. Uh, I, I did George fighting the poachers was actually probably my favorite scene in the movie. This was actually my least favorite scene. Well, at least at this point, I was like, at least something's happening. <laughs> yeah, the whole, the whole end sequence with the poachers is probably my least favorite part of the movie because it's it's less about fish out of water and fourth wall breaking, and it's much more about farts and elephants peeing on people. So yes, it is. Agreed. <laughs> that was about the only humor they could manage. <laughs> Farting your end joke. Yeah, pretty much. Because, <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, we've said it a hundred times. Like, they try to make other jokes. And for whatever reason, like, for me, like, so the other jokes don't don't land. Like, like we talked about the, you know, like, the, the uh, displaying his affections as a gorilla thing. Like, I was just watching that going, like, this should be funny. And it's not, but you know, uh, and so he he manages to defeat the the poachers, but because Ursula shows up, because Ursula shows up because she sees that George is gone, and she apparently followed him back to Africa because she realizes she's in love with him, and she helps defeat the poachers along, along with, with Shep, Shep, yep. and the monkey, and Tuki, and Tuki. Who, who went all the way from San Francisco to Africa, then back to San Francisco, or, or Africa to San Francisco well, and back. See, don't forget the little ape who gave a distress signal to signal those other apes to come on and help him, help them. True. And as far as the whole thing with the fact that Tukey Bird went all the way to San Francisco and then came back, he was shipped in the same crate with uh, with George. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, we, we didn't mention that, that George shipped himself back in a crate. Yeah, and he, he didn't mention ape ninjas. I just mentioned the ape ninjas. Well, you didn't say they were ninjas. I just wanted to get in the fact that they're ape ninjas. Yeah, they basically look exactly like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They do, kind of. You're right. All right, and so they they managed to defeat that problem, uh, but then Lyle shows up, who's apparently got himself himself out of African jail. Uh, He's going to marry Ursula. He bribed his way out of African jail. Yeah, and he's going to marry Ursula. Because he became a mail-order minister while he was in jail. Well, he also joined a cult. Yes. <laughs> a group of mercenaries. A cult of mercenaries. Yes. He was very busy for someone <laughs> in jail. He had, a lot, he had a lot happen. Yeah. And so he kidnaps Ursula, and you know there's a big chase down the river as he, he gets into a raft with rapids and stuff. And then George makes this giant swing, like this big jungle swing, one of them when he grabs a snake. Again, a common joke from the, from the cartoon. Yes. Uh, the biggest swing in jungle history is how he refers to it. Yeah. Uh, and manages to catch Ursula before Lyle goes into this dark tunnel and marries himself to a gorilla. <laughs> Indeed. And See, they... saying it is funnier than it was in the movie. <laughs> it actually is funnier. Because <laughs> honestly, like if you're not wa- if you like blink, you don't even see the the ape replace her in the <laughs> in the <No>. boat. <laughs> and then you know, the, then we have you know George and Ursula say they're 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 in love and they have this big wedding at George's treehouse, uh, and George dances very crazily like he always does uh, and they ride off on Shep you know with the just married on the back of, of Shep's behind and then they uh, hold up their son like Simba yeah which that was my favorite yeah. joke was it? yes because it's the end of the movie or just because it's Lion King reference <laughs> both those things and then if you've ever if you ever go to an Atlanta Braves game uh, our shortstop is Andrelton Simmons who is his nickname is Simba because he catches everything the light touches. See, clever. Okay. And and they do Simba cam during the game, and people will hold up their babies to this music, and so it holds a fond place <laughs> in my heart. <laughs> okay, I did not know that. I they like did, that. yeah. 
It's very fun. Uh, yes, and then we, and then of course, Ape has to stop the credits. He like literally tears up the film, like at the end of Muppets, and at the end of Muppet Vision 3D. Yep. Uh, and tells people what has happened to him, and in fact, he became a big uh, star in Las Vegas. The they don't reveal which, yep. which hotel, uh, but yeah, he's singing "My Way" the Frank Sinatra song with uh, the what's the what are they the poacher guys Thor and Max uh, are are. Yep. in a coconut tree and he's got pretend George and pretend Ursula there. And, and, and yeah, that's, that's what's going on. Yeah. There. My one question for Eric, when we were watching the scene, I said, who is going to see this show? <laughs> like, it's funny to, you know, because John Cleese is singing, I did it my way, but who would pay to go see this show? Like what exactly is the target audience? Look, people, like talking apes. Yeah. People <laughs> having been to Vegas recently, there are all kinds of shows that you could ask that question about. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess the Duck Dynasty guys had a musical out there, so anything's possible. There you go. That that <laughs> explains it. All right, anything else that you guys want to say about George of the Jungle before we rate it? I just um, want to ask a question. All right. um, <laughs> because I've... Uh, this is the third iteration of a, of of this 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 cartoon series. Sorry, this is the second iteration. Second iteration. The third the third is Peabody Mr. Turtle, which they animated. Yeah. Do do we think it would have been better had they animated it, or would it just have been it's worse? I think a CGI remake would actually be a good idea for George of the Jungle in general. I think if they stay more true to the if they do what they did in Peabody and Sherman, which is actually not a yeah. terrible movie. Oh no! Oh, it's actually really good. Yeah, um, it's. I think if they if they hit it like they hit that movie, I think they do fine. Like somewhere between that and Crudes, which I also actually liked. And I realize these are not Disney movies, folks. But you yes. know, we can we can liken them because they're that's what we're shooting for. Um, you know, it it. I think it would do really well as a CGI movie. That's my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I guess, like I I thought Brendan Fraser did a pretty good job of looking like a human cartoon. So. <laughs> Um, Fair enough. So maybe maybe it would have worked with a wider audience if it had been animated. Yeah. Well, I mean, it did well, right? It made over 175 million at the box office. So and yeah, they did do a direct DVD sequel. Yeah, yep. they did, which we'll be covering. <laughs> and and just FYI, um, uh, Roger Ebert did give this three stars. Oh, you Roger must have paid him off on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll we'll start we'll start uh, with the negative notes and end with the positive. So uh, I'll go first uh, and say that I was going to give this a one. Uh, I I don't mind movies being bad. I mean I do, but you know I it, I don't mind a movie being bad, but boring me is like the biggest sin you can commit. Uh, so the fact that you know probably the last hour of the movie I just wanted to shut my eyes and go to sleep. Instead of watch the movie, yeah, yeah, I can't forgive that, so I would give it a one. Uh, Todd, what about you? Um, I'm going to go with a one and a half, and my feeling is just that it's needlessly long in the tooth in a lot of spots, and like you said, a lot of the jokes don't hit, and I think that they got some of what George of the Jungle was correct, but they missed the mark on most of it. Yeah. All right, Cheryl, what about you? I think I'm going to go with the two and a half. I think I'm in the same same aspect which I was with Inspector Gadget. Um, I I kind of thought aspects of this movie were funny. Mm-hmm. I kind of think they did a decent job, you know, vetoing it to the cartoon. Like to the cartoon, I agree that um, you know, it was boring in some places. It doesn't hold up, obviously. Um, ten years late, you know, ten years later, it doesn't hold up. So, but maybe they need to, and they need to re- retrocon it somehow. Yeah, maybe. All right, Rachel, what do you think? <laughs> I'm a little bit scared to give my rating now. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with two and three quarter stars. Um, I'm marking it down for, I, I'm not a fan of the opening credit sequence, um, just because of the flashing I just, like, it was really, like, I had to, like, look away during those parts because it just hurt my eyes. Um, But I really, like, for me, the humor worked. I know it didn't work for you, Ryan, but 
for for me, like I still got a lot of laughs out of this. Just a lot of throwaway lines, mainly by the narrator. For me, it really it does look like a live action cartoon. Um, I think I think they and they. The thing is that they set the tone of it very early on, and either you kind of get on board with that or you don't. Either it works for you or you don't. For me, it worked for me. But I realize that it's also not the brightest movie, so I feel like I can't give it any – like, I can't give it three stars. Um, so two and three quarters, I think, is entirely fair. No, I think that's perfectly fair. And like you say, like, humor is a subjective thing, right? Some things are universally agreed to be funny, but, you know, some things are, you know, who knows, Let me right? ask this question. Okay, because we're, as we discussed, we're covering the, the sequel, which is free on Netflix. Oh, we're not discussing the sequel right now. Yes. I'm asking a question. Did you, would you pay, would you rather have paid the $3 for it, or would you have rather seen it for free and not paid it and had someone like like ryan you had this in your library conveniently for you um would you rather would you have paid the three dollars well i mean i wouldn't have had a choice but <laughs> but i mean no like if, if you came to me and said hey we're gonna do movie night and it's gonna be george of the jungle it's gonna be three dollars to watch i would have been like yeah i'm good or let's say let's say you're staying at Let's say you're staying at Disney's Pop Century Resort. They're showing in every, or Disney World in every. For some reason, they decided to have a Georgia Jungle Marathon. Every resort is showing Georgia Jungle. Would you go to and watch the movie? No. <laughs> or would you change your airfare if you knew it in advance? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would not because there's so much other stuff to do at Disney World. <laughs> Fair. Rachel? Um. I wouldn't have minded paying $3 for this. Um, I actually did own this movie at one time on VHS. So technically I've already really paid for it. Um, <laughs> I think I paid like 10 bucks for it, something like that. So, And I, I agree. I definitely would pay the money, the $3 for it. $3, and I, I don't think I would go searching out. Although, like, like I said, I don't think I would have... Had it been in Disney World, I don't think I would have gone, you know, like, had we're walking along the beach club, I wouldn't have stopped and said, oh, let's watch Georgia the Jungle. That sounds like a, you know, no, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, no. <laughs> I think that's really all that needs to be said. No. All right. Uh, so that is our look at Georgia the Jungle. You guys let us know what you think, because I know there's a lot of people out here who really like this one. So I want to hear hear from you people. Tweet us at Disney Film Project. Find us on Facebook or, or email us DisneyFilmProject at gmail.com. So that will do it for this week's episode. Until next week, when we subject ourselves to further Georgia the Jungle torture, uh, for Cheryl and Todd and Rachel, I'm Ryan, and we'll see you again soon. Madam, I knew Jane Goodall, and you are no Jane Goodall. Yes, bartender, I'll have two black Russians and a white ape. Bad guy falls in poop. Classic element of physical comedy. Now comes the part where we throw our heads back and laugh. Ready? Ready! Don't worry, nobody dies in this story. They just get really big boo-boos. <laughs> <laughs>